It is Money Talk at 17 minutes past eight, and we welcome our guests to the show. Barry Wood, uh, the uh, uh, RTHK's international economics correspondent. Almost forgot what you do. Barry, uh, welcome to the show. Good morning. <laughs> I won't uh, give my rejoinder, which might be embarrassing <laughs> to me. Good morning, James. <laughs> good morning. And also, let's say good morning to you, Stuart Oldcroft, uh, Asian fund management industry consultant. Uh, how are you, Stuart? Yes, good morning, James. I'm fine. Thanks very much. I'm glad Barry can um, remember what he's doing. <laughs> well, well, the older we get, dot, dot, uh, it applies to all of us. Yes, unfortunately, uh, you're right. <laughs> uh, let's, let's start, obviously, with that non-moving uh, meeting between uh, President Biden and Kevin McCarthy. Uh, no progress uh, yet on that uh, debt ceiling uh, discussion, Barry. And uh, no surprises, perhaps, though. Correct. No surprise. Look, they met, and it was interesting to listen to Kevin McCarthy as he came out of the White House after an hour, and then, more significantly, I think, to listen to President Biden talk about the meeting. I think the significant element is they're going to meet again on Friday, and in the meantime, they will have their staff working on various proposals. So, yes, they can say no progress, but I think, in fact, there is progress because they're going to meet again. Uh, well, I thought it was interesting that Janet Yellen didn't appear to be at that meeting, and she seems to be leading the charge in terms of uh, the U.S. Treasury wanting to have this debt ceiling removed or at least raised. So Yes, I think that is significant, Stuart. Uh, here is the Treasury Secretary, you know, intimately impacted by what's going on, and yet there were only five principles in this meeting. The two Republicans from the House and the Senate, the two Democrats from the House and the Senate, and the President. And there's no indication that Ms. Yellen is going to be involved on Friday. But I'm sure that her staff is very involved in the meetings that uh, probably are going on even now before they set up and convene the Friday meeting. Well, inevitably, she, she'll have been briefing the President, but uh, that doesn't mean to say that... Um uh, her views are always getting across, but she's being uh, she's being remarkably strident and pos and strong about this whole business. And uh, so I would have thought that she, it would have been an advantage to the president to have her there. Barry, could um, uh, Janet Yellen be positioning herself as slightly more independent from that political discussion, perhaps? And you know, she's been a lot in in uh, in the press on lots of media outlets in the last few days. You know, sort of putting the frighteners out there about this. Yes, that's correct, James. Look, this is a woman who was the chairman of the Federal Reserve. She knows about all of these issues. She has been through debt negotiations when she worked at the White House earlier, and I think she's an advocate of getting something done. Whether that meshes with the current White House strategy is unclear. I wouldn't want to say that she's been frozen out of the negotiations, but I think the White House found it convenient for her not to be in the meeting that took place Tuesday. Mm. Maybe bring her along at the next meeting if that happens. Um, but the, the reports yes, I think are so. that, that um, at least some observers are, are, are suggesting that although this is supposed to all happen by the end of May and that... Um, there's a potential that the government would go bankrupt in, in June. There, apparently, there remains enough money in the Treasury to last through till July. 
So this sort of gives some doubt as to the urgency of this. Well, some have said, uh, Stuart, that it could be spun out to uh, to September even. Yes, yeah, exactly. So it, it sort of brings in some doubts as to how urgent this whole thing really is. Yes, I think that's true. I think the news media makes a bit more out of this than it deserves. Now, I'm not minimizing the importance of the issue. It's very important. But it happens almost every year. Yes. Different strategies. Or as, as um, Senator McConnell said today, uh, the change is that um, Republicans now have the Senate. Uh, sorry, now have the House, while the Democrats retain the Senate. Whereas over the previous negotiations, the Democrats had it all. So the Republicans feel they're in a stronger position. I would hasten to say that the Republicans almost always lose the public's face of these negotiations. They're seen as Scrooge wanting to cut things and hurt people. And the Democrats are seen as the champions of keeping those payments to people, whether it's the poor or whether it's the people who need health care, going. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's mm. become clear, I think, and that's probably this political divide which is causing the impasse. So obviously this plays into the uh, the political playbook, um, Barry, I guess, you know, towards the election. And how much of, of, of what's going on now is really focused on the election? Very much so. In fact, you could say it's almost uh, everything, because uh, that's not going to be an issue if there's a resolution. And I think, indeed, there will be a resolution. It may be very dramatic at the last moment. By the way, in the president's press conference, and he actually did take some questions from reporters, he raised the possibility that uh, if there hasn't been progress by early next week, he may not go to the G7 meeting in Japan. I think that's a long shot, and that's probably part of his strategy, but it's interesting that he would say that. That wouldn't be very uh, good for international relations, would it? Indeed, it would not, but it would... Uh, you know, look, this, as your question implies, James, this is political. If there is no progress and the president holds back or goes late, let's say, to that G7 meeting, and by the way, there are a couple other places he's going to go afterwards, that would allow him to say, I've had to stay here because these pesky and really radical Republicans won't come to the table and do a deal. That's, you know, you can sort of see strategies evolving. $31 trillion is a huge debt. Um, Barry, for, for those who don't understand this, how come the U.S. is in this state where it effectively owes so much money? Well, many countries, certainly including Japan, notoriously Japan, have fiscal deficits that are far greater than the United States. Most of that debt is owed to American citizens who hold treasury bills, etc., so in that sense, it's not particularly important. However, the dollar is the world's currency. And you have much of the debt held by Japan, which is the largest foreign holder. I think the figure is something like $9 trillion, or is it $7 trillion? Hold it. I think I put back up. I think it's $1.5 trillion, with China number two mm. among the foreign holders of the debt, and then Britain number three, and then Switzerland, Belgium, etc. 
So yeah, it's it's the fact that the dollar is the world's currency, and if you don't have an agreement on something as fundamental as funding your fiscal deficit, that's what this is about, funding your fiscal deficit, then your dollar on world currency markets could dr decline dramatically. That's the issue. How, how much is this um, issue of the debt ceiling linked to the other uh, big issues that we have at the moment, you know, where we are with interest rates, the state of, of the banks. So, Stuart, you, you have thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the debt issue is in itself um, an issue. It is not related directly to uh, the, the banking crisis that's also going on in the United States at the moment. Um, but, of course, it's all part of the same ultimately the same uh, issue which is that um, there's a lot of money owed out there and interest rates have gone up and therefore the cost of money that is owed has gone up um, and that and that's what's been causing the banking crisis in the US and uh, as, as, we're, as we're talking about that I think that we are not at the end of the banking crisis. We've seen three banks uh, in effect close and be taken over and I think there will be more banks in the US that will go down the same route as the um, credit crisis for them has increased as interest rates have gone up. We had a quarter percent increase last week from the Fed. I believe there might be one more increase at least from the Fed within the next two or three months and, and, and every time there is an increase that puts more strain on these banks as they have a mismatch of their borrowings from their from their lending. Barry are you seeing indications of uh, you know any further contagion in the in the banking crisis and indeed you know what, what are the indicators about possible um, Fed uh, rates rise maybe next month? Well, certainly Stuart's spot on. I mean, the interest rate rise is, is the issue that is impacting the world, really, and certainly the United States banking sector. No, I don't think there's been any more contagion. Uh, nobody withdrawing billions of dollars in an afternoon like we had happened with Silicon Valley Bank back in March. But uh, there is a problem. It's not resolved. And the fact that interest rates are higher uh, means that uh, there, there's still a serious problem that has to be addressed. Stuart, where are you are you looking for signs of growth at the moment? Uh, well, you know, what what is the is the opportunity, if you like, at the moment? The opportunities are out there, and I think the, our Asian region is still probably going to lead the charge. Uh, China is clearly coming back from its crisis with. Um, uh, the COVID crisis, and India is very strong indeed at the moment with um, positive economic growth. And both of, both of these are probably contributing up to 50% of the global gr increase in GDP, which is very positive. The, the U.S. Um, is struggling, I think, we've, and, and as with um, Europe, Inflation is the uncertainty as um, uh, energy prices remain quite high. Uh, although they've come down in recent uh, weeks, they still haven't come down enough and they haven't ref been reflected yet in, in e economic data. And this is part of the problem, I think, that we, we are and, and we continue to remain very unclear as to where inflation is going. And with inflation... At a, at a relatively high point, the central banks want to increase interest rates to try to choke it off. And that's why we have that situation been going on for quite a while now.
Uh, Stuart Holcroft is Asian Fund Managing Industry Consultant and Barry Wood is uh, RTHK's International Economics uh, Correspondent. We will 